you get mixed feelings when you're laid off. Because on one hand, you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) This sucks. Yep. Yep. But on the other hand, you're like, well, now I don't have to go to work. to Project A+. In these uncertain times, uh, we have decided to undertake an act of mercy by reducing the length of Project A+, week on week, going on somewhat of a hiatus. But don't, don't be afraid, it's not a hiatus where we're absent from your feeds for an extended period of time. We will still be here reporting each week on the films that we have independently decided to watch. So essentially it'll just be bonus features every week. And in the case of you, whenever you choose not to watch any films, you just talk about the television series you've been watching. Yeah, I guess so. I guess me too, but I always watch at least one film, so. I did force myself to watch a film just for this podcast this week. So you should be glad about that, buddy. I watched I watched five films. Wow. And I wasn't even like trying that hard. Uh, yes, bonus features, bonus features, bonus features. We will be back with a new and improved version of the podcast down the track, but for the moment it will just be bonus features, week on week. All right. Well, uh... And also don't forget our, our new sister podcast, For Crite's Sake. Mm, where we discuss the works of Michael Crichton, chapter by chapter, episode by episode, movie by movie. <laughs> Video game by video game. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Uh, so how do you want to do these bonus features? Do you want me to go through three of mine, and then you do year one, and then I do my last two? Perfect. Bonus features, bonus, bonus features, bonus features, bonus, bonus well, one of them I won't spend too much time talking about because it's actually a film that you recommended on this very podcast. Wow. It's a Christmas movie. <gasps> Can you guess which movie it is based on that? Uh, that French movie? <laughs> yeah, it is that French movie. Um, mm. Dialed Code Santa Claus or 3615 Code Pierre Noel, which I, uh, I, I was kind of expecting more from it, to be honest. Not that I had a bad time, but... Um, you know, you give me the premise of, you know, a sort of a home alone with a deranged killer, uh, Santa Claus, and it's much bloodier and, you know, that sounds delightful to me, but, uh, by the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, you know, I think the issue with this film, which is, it's a decent amount of fun. The issue I have with it is it, it almost feels a little too like a work of fantasy. You know what I mean? And the thing I like about Home Alone is that there's this like weird tension between Kevin McAllister supposedly being a normal kid and like the horrible things he does. And also, I think that uh, the fact that the, you know, the villains are Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern in Home Alone, you know, makes them kind of relatable and and human in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, where there's no there's no such uh, consideration in this film. Um, And I just 
uh, I don't know, the, the traps are a little too high tech and I never really like, I don't know, like at the end of the movie, you're like, kind of like, yeah, I guess I kind of am on the wet bandit side at Hobolo, but, and this, this, oh yeah, this is an annoying kid. Um, <laughs> though the scene at the beginning where they like do a fake Rambo montage with him, I thought was really funny, especially mm-hmm. the bit where they like linger on his like glistening flesh, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you listen to that premise and say, um, that sounds like a good time, you'll probably enjoy it. But, uh, I was hoping for something that was a little more special than it ended up being. Do you know the problem? Hmm. You watched it in April? (laughs) Yeah, maybe if it had been a little more, uh, Christmas season, uh, I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Yeah, bro. But I didn't. I watched this in December, <laughs> and I, I think I think it works better coming at it completely fresh as opposed to uh, me me talking it up in the first place. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I from from memory. I think by the end of the film, you know, it's not as enjoyable as it as it sort of goes on. But it has good bits in it. I just like yeah. the fact that he kills the dog with a spoon, particularly. Yeah, that's that's pretty fun. And that guy was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to compare it to Hamola, and I think I prefer Hamola, you know? What else did you watch? Well, I followed Dial Code Santa Claus up with a little film directed by John Carpenter, everyone's favorite. Mm-hmm. And now you're wondering, did you watch one of John Carpenter's classic films that you've never seen? Say, Big Trouble in Little China, or Dark Star, or Starman, or Christine, or The Fog, or Prince of Darkness 2? You're asking me that right now? Yes. And I'm here to tell you that the answer is, in fact, no. I watched his, I think, the third uh, to final uh, directorial effort feature film in the feature film realm, anyway, which is a little movie called Vampires or John Carpenter's Vampires. Hmm. And, you know, I think it's pretty enjoyable. James Woods is basically this uh, scumbag vampire hunter. And he has the he's partnered with Daniel Baldwin, who is also a scumbag. And uh, there's something that very um, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's so hard for me to imagine a John Carpenter film that isn't composed of uh, pleasurable textures, you know. And Hmm. this film is extremely like squalid and kind of sorted. Uh, And there's some vile things that happen in it. But, um, you know, it looks great. Uh, (laughs) Uh, James Woods, uh, you know, always a compelling presence of a terrible human being. Um, and <laughs> actually, I found Daniel Bono to be surprisingly compelling in this as well, <laughs> which I was not expecting at all. Son of James. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Very, very funny. Uh, and then um, Twin Peaks' Cheryl Lee was a pretty good uh, little performance in it as well. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's kind of it's kind of irredeemable. Um but it's extremely gory. It has some great, like, special effects. Uh, and the method that they, like, use to kill the vampires is great, where they, like, put a stake into them, right? And then they're, the, the stake is attached to, uh, like, a cable that's attached to a, a, a big truck. And they, like, reel them into the sunlight. And then they basically explode. And the explosion effects look amazing. <laughs> so it's pretty good. Um and, you know, it's it's obviously, you know, it feels like, uh, well, if you read about the film, you learned that the, the budget was set at, uh, you know, a certain amount of money. And then right before they started filming, it got slashed to a, 
a percentage of that, a small percentage of that. You can kind of tell. There's only like two big set pieces. But, um, you know, I enjoyed myself all the way through. Uh, and, uh, you know, Joy Carpenter's great. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. There's something There's something I find very compelling about just how ugly and and kind of gross this film is too, you know. Uh, and, you know, Carpenter always talked about how he wanted to make, or all his films were Westerns. So and this is the film, I think, that he comes close. I guess Ghost of Mars kind of has the similar vibe. But, or Assault on Precinct 13. Well, I've never seen that, so I can't really compare it. Oh, it's Rio Bravo, essentially. But uh, this one feels most like a Western in terms of its aesthetics, you know, because it takes place in the, in the West, right? Hmm. Um, and so I kind of appreciate, you know, I just, I just like the idea that, you know, Carpenter was happy making a Western in this. Um, it's also got like a, it's got this bizarre score where half of it is sort of like, like, you know, like, no, 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 guitar, right? The other half kind of sounds like uh, Suspiria or uh, <laughs> one of the other uh, Dario Argento films that Goblin scored. So it has this like sort of twinkly, mm. like prog feel, which is really strange. Um, but uh, yeah, that's Vampires. I would uh, recommend it. You called it irredeemable, but I think you've redeemed it. Yeah. Uh, uh. And then I, I watched another kind of sordid film <laughs> the day after that, which is a Italian horror film, or giallo, if you will, if you want to be someone who uses a word like that, called The Red Queen Kill Seven Times. Um, and I don't know if this is a, a especially great uh, giallo, but it just was kind of what I was in the mood for. It's got some really gruesome deaths, and uh, it's just got this, like, really good score and um you know there's like this weird uh quasi super natural element which isn't like super common in in the typical giallo you know which mostly just sort of like okay there's a guy who's who's got black claws on he's going around stabbing people and also it's got a female killer which is also kind of atypical and uh you know the plot is just uh this woman is um i don't know basically she thinks she's the target of this curse in her family and then all these people start dying around her. Um, it is one sort of uh, very uh, upsetting and gross uh, sexual assault scene, which I did not enjoy. It I thought kind of sucked the movie to some degree. But the mm. rest of it is uh, some pretty solid little giallo fare. Uh, it's got all these uh, like, you know pretty pretty colors, uh, and uh, I liked it. So that's the Red Queen kill seven times. Now I'll hand the mic over to you and ask what you have been watching this week. So I only watched one film this week, Mm. just for the podcast, because I I haven't really been in film watching mode for some time. Hopefully I'll get back into it, but uh, at the moment I'm trending towards television, or tending towards? Tending towards. Let's go with tending towards. Um, I watched the 2012 Australian film. Mm. So of all the films I could have selected, I chose one from my home country. Mm -hmm. That film being The Sapphires. Mm. Directed by Wayne Blair, who also happened to direct uh, last year's enjoyable romantic comedy Top End Wedding. uh, Which I think made one of my year-end lists. The Sapphires is in a similar feel-good category. I think Wayne Blair is actually quite adept at making solid... Popcorn crowd pleasers. Mm. Um, so this is the story very loosely based on a real story. 
um, but more specifically adapted from a stage play. Mm-hmm. And it centers around uh, four Aboriginal women who become a singing group and go to Vietnam during the war years to perform for the troops. Stars Deborah Malman, Jessica Malboy, um, Miranda Tapsell, who was also in Top End Wedding, and Shara Sevens. And they're all good. They are accompanied by Chris O'Dowd mm, everyone's um, as their drunken Irish manager. And, you know, Chris O'Dowd is basically playing the Chris O'Dowd role, but I thought <laughs> yeah. he handled himself well. Um, even the central romance was, was quite credible, I thought. And mm-hmm. uh, this is enjoyable. Nothing particularly innovative or uh, surprising about the way this story unfolds, but what it does, it does well, and I appreciated that. And that is The Sapphires. Mm. Um, interestingly enough, so... I was having a look into Wayne Blair's career, and uh, this mm-hmm. was his first feature film. He had made some shorts before that. Mm-hmm. He hasn't actually directed terribly many films to date. He's worked mm-hmm. a lot in television. And aside from the two films I've mentioned, The Sapphires and Top End Wedding, the only other film to his name uh, at this point is Septembers of Shiraz, uh-huh. which is this bizarre, forgotten, critically reviled American film starring Adrian Brody and Selma Hayek. Doesn't so, sound good. There's one to check out, <laughs> right out perhaps. But interesting enough, so um, I should also point out that The Sapphires uh, was filmed, that is, the cinematography was credited to one Warwick Thornton who is a renowned cinematographer in Australia and also a renowned director, having made um, a film I especially enjoyed of late, which was Sweet Country. Mm. And he was also the cinematographer on September's of Shiraz. So there you go. But the interesting thing about The Sapphires, to return to that film again, and this is something I credit Warwick Thornton for, I think the cinematography was a bit of a mixed bag. There were some sections of it that looked quite flat. But there are some slivers of moments in the Vietnam scenes where it just captures some quite horrific but visually interesting depictions of war in amongst the fun. Mm. There you go. Well, uh, Hugh, I think you're erasing something for Mr. Wayne Blair's uh, filmography. Am I? You are. Which is that he directed a television film remake of Dirty Dancing. Well, I'm, I'm speaking about his feature film work. Well, not his I mean, television feature work. film, television film. What's the difference? Distribution. I mean, nowadays there's there's no feature films, so that's true. Well, speaking of films that do what they do well, another film I watched, which I finished mere moments before we hit the record button here, was a little Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung vehicle, which is entitled Heart of Dragon. Now, you have seen this film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I have a dim memory of seeing it. The premise of this movie is basically this. Jackie Chan is played a Jackie Chan character, which is he's a police officer. And is he called Jackie? No. Oh, shame. <laughs> I actually can't. I don't know what his name is. I don't I don't think they ever say it. <laughs> mm. I, I take that back. They, they, there is one moment where they his, his name is revealed to be Tat. Tat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is the the Chinese name. 
But uh, I can't I can't say that I remember them. I, I, there's only one brief moment that I remember them using that. So he's just playing Jackie Chan. He's playing, you know, as he is in Play Story, the, you know, cop with the heart of gold type. Um, and this film definitely feels kind of like a police story movie in a lot of ways, especially mm. police story too, because it ends in this big blowout fight in an abandoned factory, a construction site rather, but it has sort of a similar vibe. But the main difference between this and police story is that uh, Jackie Chan is saddled with a uh, mentally challenged older brother played by Sammo Hug. Who, <laughs> <laughs> his performance is uh, to play this character is very. Um, Sympathetic, I'd say broadly, and basically like a child. It's not. It's not a film. I would say that plums the uh, depths of, um, you know, <laughs> whatever uh, bullshit um, uh, mental handicap this character has, <laughs> to any large degree. But uh, so you know, so you know, knowing that premise, when I walked into this film, I assumed that it would be a kind of, you know, I was kind of hoping it would have give like a, of a tasteless Wong Jing vibe. You know what I mean? Mm. And there are certain sequences that do have that flavor. Uh, like, there's this opening scene, which I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where? Uh, Sam Hung is, you know, he hangs out with a gang of children, right? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> they're, they're going to go eat at a restaurant, and they don't have enough money, so... Uh, one of the children puts his hand in Sambo's pocket and then bottles his dick and says, there's a hole in your pocket and you're not wearing underwear. Which I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> so that was pretty, that was pretty tasteless and funny. But um, in general, the tone that the film goes for is instead extremely sentimental, which I thought was really funny. So, and you know what? It, it was directed by Sammo Hug, so it's got several great inventive action sequences. Um, it's a very strange film, um, and you know, there, it's it's weird that for a film that you know nominally stars Sammo and Jackie, um, there's several sequences where they're uh, where like they're like action scenes where neither of them are in it. There's this long car chase where it's, it's supposed to be, you know, Jackie driving the car, but they never cut to his face. So it's obviously just like a stunt, stunt man driving. Um, and the, uh, action scene at the, the construction set at the end, like the Jackie is there, but Samo is not. And, uh, it's ideal. Like maybe like 50 or 20% of it is about Jackie Chan. Hmm. Very strange. Uh, also strange is the uh, amazing ending, which features, you know, the, what you'd think the logical conclusion to one of the police story movies would be, which would be uh, Jackie Chan getting locked up and sent to jail. <laughs> and there's this log, like, supposed to be, like, cute montage where, like, you know, uh, mentally challenged Samo Hug is, like, play with his child friends and play with Jackie Chan's fiance and play with Jackie Chan's friends while Jackie Chan is, like, doing hard labor in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like very like a divital song over the credits, <laughs> or not over the credits, over this montage. It's good stuff. Uh, the soundtrack also. I don't know um, if this is attributable to the fact that I watched the extended like uh, Japanese cut, which is only like eight minutes long, longer, but mm. 
had this bizarre song that I loved that played like several times that Steve Pinkett was sampling like a dog bark and then like pitching it at different levels to make like a beat. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, you have to have you have to have a, a, the ability to uh, watch uh, <laughs> Sam Hug do, you know, shitty mugging uh, as a mentally challenged man. But uh, there's a lot to love in, in Heart of a Dragon, so or Heart of Dragon rather. Um, so I'll, I'll give it my uh, recommendation. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I wouldn't mind revisiting that one day. <laughs> you should. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, uh, I, I just, I this is like my favorite vibe of a Jackie Chan film, you know? Like in the 80s, set in the present day, where he's a cop. There's a lot of like on location photography. Is it just, from the 80s? Yeah. 1985. Okay. Oh, wow. Is it that a. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I just even if this film isn't like you know the greatest, uh, just it's just that vibe that I I just really treasure. So good stuff. It's weird in terms of the different versions and why the Japanese version is longer. According to the Wikipedia summary, it says it was intended as more of a dramatic film, right? Mm-hmm. Showing a different side of Hung's acting abilities, um, and <laughs> that maybe in conception it was not supposed to have that many action scenes, and then mm. two additional fight scenes were filmed that were not included in the original Hong Kong and even international print. Mm. But certain markets demanded uh, that it was more action-based. So so maybe if I watch the original, it's a little... Uh, it's even more sentimental. Mm. There's this great scene where both Sabo and Jackie are, like, crying in each other's arms, like, brother! <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> really, really enjoyable stuff. And that is Heart of Dragon. And then I watched one other film, but I didn't really watch it that closely. So I, I only bring it up because I did technically watch it, which is um, my girlfriend's mom put on Cabaret. Um, but we ate dinner while we were watching it, basically talked during the whole thing. So I don't really have much of an opinion about it. So that's Cabaret, mm. <laughs> which I've never seen besides this viewing. So I don't know. All right, that's it, I guess. Oh, um, um, oh.